What is up, Kangaroo Chasers? And well, it's been the worst kept secret of the last couple of days, but the Rugby League World Cup is being postponed to 2022. Part of me, very upset. I understand the ramifications, uh, but the other part of me relieved because there's a decision one way or the other, and we've got 12 months to go. I'm still going to enjoy it, still going to love it. It's going to be huge. It's still going to be the biggest and best Rugby League World Cup of all time, thanks to John Dutton and his incredible team. Um, here it is again, the full press conference, uh, media call. Apologies for any issues with audio. It was a big Zoom call with people from all over the world. So, you know, hopefully the quality is okay. And I hope you enjoy listening to it and being a fly on the wall um, like you guys have for the last couple of conferences that we've released as well. Um, I want to say a big thank you to everyone for your feedback. I've never been so inundated with messages, DMs, emails, uh, people telling me that they're loving the latest episodes because they don't get to hear this sort of stuff anywhere else, that they are as passionate as I am about the international game, uh, that they are with me, that we are not giving up and that, you know, we will hashtag grow rugby league together. So thanks guys. Great to have the kangaroo chasers. What an amazing community. And if I knew two, three years ago that I was going to make so many great friends around the world because of this podcast, I wouldn't have believed you. It's been incredible. What a community. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way that we can use our power to help grow the game a little bit. Our people power. I think we can do it. And um, yeah, happy to hear any ideas, have any discussions, but I've got a few of my own. Guys, um, coming up in the next couple of days, Sunday night, Aussie time, I will be recording an interview with Troy Grant, the chairman of International Rugby League. Um, he's kindly agreed to come on to discuss anything related to this World Cup announcement, uh, the future of the International Rugby League. Um, so he said, no holds barred, ask me anything and let's do it. Um, I'm giving you guys the opportunity to ask some questions as well uh, to help me put my list together. So DM me uh, or jump on the posts that you will see on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Chasing Roos uh, and at Chasing Roos Pod on Twitter. Um, jump on, ask your questions. We'll ask as many as we can and get as deep as we can and get the real answers from Troy Grant. So, guys, that's enough from me. Enjoy this bonus episode. Um, 12 months to go. Over to the guys from the World Cup Conference. Um, good morning, good evening, everybody uh, around the world. Uh, thanks for making the time at short notice this morning or evening. Uh, in a moment, I'll pass to the chair of the Rugby League World Cup. Chris Brindley has joined us this morning for some opening remarks. We're also joined today by Chief Executive Officer of the Rugby League World Cup, John Dutton, and the IRL Chairman, Troy Grant, who will take any questions. Can I just remind everyone, I know we've done a few of these recently, to, to stay on mute unless you're asking a question. If we can continue to use uh, the hand function to ask questions, that would be great. We will take as many questions as we can in the time we have available. Thanks again for joining us, and I'll pass over to Chris. Thank you, Michael. Uh, good morning, everybody, and thank you uh, for your time. Uh, today is a solemn day uh, for our sport, uh, and it's a day that nobody wanted. We have always uh, been tournament ready, uh, and that is down to John Dutton uh, and his team and the outstanding work that they've done. Uh, that said, one of our values as a Rugby League World Cup 2021 board has always been to deliver a world-class tournament. And after much deliberation, it was uh, decided unanimously yesterday that we are not in a position to host the, the World Cup this year as planned. And as such, uh, we've agreed um, that we will uh, deliver the tournament in 2022. 
The key point of our decision-making has always been about player voice and player choice. And not just the men, this is about the women and the wheelchair tournaments as well. And that has been our absolute focus. And as such, we've made the very tough decision to put the tournament back by 12 months. I want to put on record our grateful thanks to the following people, the UK government who have supported this tournament and will continue to do so. The Department of Digital uh, Culture, Media and Sport, who are also uh, have been amazing support. Those colleagues in UK sport, the Rugby Football League and the International Rugby League, and in particular, uh, the uh, support from Troy Grant, chair. But there's one team that I would want to recognise above all of that, and that is uh, our chief executive in his team, John Dutton. I repeat, uh, we have and always been tournament ready. A few days ago, we were focusing exclusively on delivering an outstanding World Cup. Nothing's changed other than the year in which we will deliver that. Our social impact record stands out for itself and we will continue to deliver uh, an outstanding World Cup for all involved, whether that's players, officials, spectators or viewers. Rugby League is a resilient sport and despite this disappointment of postponement, um, our focus will be on delivering the very, very best Rugby League World Cup uh, in 2022. Thank you, along with John and Troy. I'm happy to take any questions and I'll hand back over to Michael. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. If you can use the hand function for any questions, we will go straight into any questions, unless Troy or John wants to add any words to what Chris has just said. Uh, I will, if that's all right, uh, Michael. Just on behalf of the International Rugby League, it's contained within the statement that I've um, issued. I just want to uh, publicly say uh, how grateful I am as chairman of the International Rugby League for the absolutely outstanding effort and work of the Rugby League World Cup 21 board, uh, everyone involved, uh, volunteers, staff, and magnificently led, as uh, the chairman has referred to, by John Dutton, who's a, a man that I've uh, just loved working with over uh, the last few months as chair that I've been in, in this role. Uh, he's an outstanding individual, and I look forward, uh, as disappointed as we are, that I get to work with him closely for another 12 months. Uh, having said that, I think a critical thing from the International Rugby League uh, perspective is we are grateful that our game will be showcased uh, in, the, in the greatest way possible. And I have every confidence that uh, the Rugby League World Committee uh, will be able to deliver on that ambition. Uh, they have my total support. Uh, a critical question is likely to come up, but I'll just answer it up from the beginning, is that with this postponement, uh, we are intent on maintaining the Rugby League World Cup in 2025 and our work will continue uh, with France in that regard. I've spoken overnight to the uh, chairman of the French uh, 13 Federation, uh, Luc Lacoste, and he remains steadfastly committed to also working to that goal. And between uh, the World Cup in England in 22 and hopefully a World Cup in France 25, uh, this sport will have no greater opportunity than to realise the potential that is offered for so long. Uh, and I just really appreciate 
John, your work, Chris, your leadership and your entire team, if you could pass on my thanks to them all. Okay, thanks, Troy. Uh, I'll open up to the floor now. I think, Aaron, you were, you were first. Thanks, Michael. Um, morning, guys. John, just a couple of questions for you. Um, the obvious one, how disappointed are you that we've obviously had to reach this decision? And the COVID outlook here is likely to be very different in Australia than it is in Australia, sorry, in 2022. What happens if Australia and New Zealand decide this time next year that they don't fancy it? Do we postpone again? Do we push on without them? How, how do you approach that issue if it becomes a realistic possibility again? Yeah, good morning, Aaron. Thanks for your um, questions. Uh, look, we are bitterly disappointed. Uh, we've worked tirelessly uh, as a team for almost six years. We've got the tournament into a quite remarkable position. Um, clearly, as Chris has alluded to, um, over the weekend and into Monday, it became apparent that we couldn't continue. It wouldn't have been a world-class tournament and it would have been irresponsible to carry on. So we look to 2022. Clearly, we've got some work to do, as you've alluded to. Uh, the health environment, we can't predict the future. Um, we appreciate um, more than anyone, I think I've become a public health expert in what's happening in Australia, just the radically different um, environments and some of the pressures um, that Australia and New Zealand have faced in the competition. So the work now um, is to um, ensure we have everything in place, we have the guarantees, um, we've met all of the different conditions that have been thrown at us, and we're confident that with time that we'll be able to do that, Aaron. Um, this is so important for the sport, as I've gone on record many times. It's a seminal moment. It is beyond disappointing that we can't stay at the tournament this year, but I think collectively as a sport, we've got to show resilience. We've got to overcome the adversity. And there's got to be a togetherness in the international rugby league community. Um, and I'm heartened by um, the work that we've done with Troy. I think Troy is able to do that uh, and make sure that everyone turns up, everyone brings the best players, and we stage a truly world-class tournament next year. Thanks, Aaron. Can we go to Ian, please? Thanks, Michael. <coughs> Morning, John. <coughs> Thanks for uh, fronting up as, as usual. Um, I think a lot of people will be relieved that the tournament's postponed rather than cancelled. How close did you come to taking that third option? Yeah, good morning, Ian. I mean, the first thing to say is postponement was never an easy option, um, as we've become parents of a the next few uh, weeks, some of the considerations we've had to make, um, our venues, our commercial partners, our broadcast, you know, we, we're less than 90 days away and we've got the tournament to such a remarkable place. I think it's fair to say that we did come close to cancellation and ultimately, I guess, the least worst option was to postpone. And there's a lot of people hurting at the moment, and there's a lot of people that have invested time, energy, um, but it's about being responsible. Being a leader is about making tough decisions, maybe not popular decisions. Uh, and I think we've done that. We've stood up for what we believe in. And most importantly for us, this has always been about the players. As administrators, we don't have a right to take away the hopes and dreams of players to play in a tournament. And for that reason, we fought so hard to ensure that we could stay to World Cup. Unfortunately, that will be next year. Thanks, John. Just one more for me. Um, <clears throat> among the many challenges you've, you've got now in front of you, you have to go back to the government, who've obviously been very supportive from the start, and ask them for extra assistance to help you manage the operation for another 12 months? There's some more conversations to be had, um, but what has been 
uplifting is throughout the whole process UK governments have stood side by side with us uh, both civil servants and politicians many um, of civil servants represented at our board meeting yesterday so clearly there's some more work to be done what I would point to Ian is our exceptional commercial performance has really helped make sure that we don't have any great demand on the public purse given the significant investment so far thank you thanks Ian I think James Dayton you were next Thanks, Michael. Hi, John. Um, I just wonder what the New Zealand and North, uh, Australian authorities say in terms of defending their stance when it's put to them, as I'm sure it has been, that obviously they have competitors athletes in Tokyo at the moment. They Australia are sending their rugby union team over to, to Wales in June and New Zealand had their cricketers here uh, in November and uh, New Zealand had their cricketers here in June. What, what do they say when that's put to them? Yeah, good morning, James. Uh, none of that is lost on um, us. I'd go back to a, a month ago or, or 100 days ago when we said we were ready and we absolutely were ready and all of those considerations. We've been talking to Australian Rugby Union, we've been talking to the All Blacks, we've been talking to cricket, uh, we've been talking to people out in Tokyo uh, and making sure that we were able to provide a safe environment. Um, I think most importantly now, James, we've got to look forward rather than look back. And as I referred to earlier, I and the board, and Chris in particular, was not prepared to let administrators take away the opportunity of players to play in the World Cup. That's not our job. Our job is to create the platform and let them thrive. So it's for that reason. Um, lots of people will say lots of different things, uh, James. I am only interested now in looking forward. And if you, I mean, you always do focus on the positives. Is there any aspect of the tournament that will now take place next year that could be all the better for the delay? Yeah, uh, I, I think our social impact programme um, for three years, we have made a positive impact on people's lives. We've got another 12 months with which to uh, do that. We've met with our host towns and cities, all 18 of them. Um, the support has been incredible. Uh, I've gone on record before uh, to say the likes of Warrington and St Helens and Lee, this will be the only time that they get to stage a World Cup. And for that reason, we've got 12 more months to work um, with them. But I think this is... This moment has to be uniting or unifying, sorry, um, so that the sport comes together. Um, and if the sport comes together, it will be more powerful for it. Uh, the sport's overcome um, great adversity. We are a resilient sport. And as disappointing as this is, uh, this is about positivity and this is about looking forward. Thanks, John. Good luck with it. Thanks, James. Uh, Scott Bailey next, please. Hey, John, I'm just wondering if you managed to get the survey done of NRL players for the RLPA this weekend and what the results were from that survey? Yeah, hi Scott. Uh, yes, we did. Uh, so we surveyed players um, in partnership with the RLPA and with the Nations. Um, there was no surprise, Scott, 85% of the players that surveyed, we surveyed, want to play in the World Cup and we're prepared to do that. What became apparent over the weekend, despite that, uh, there were a number of barriers uh, that we believe would prevent players from playing uh, and we as I said earlier we weren't prepared to do that but we've do, undertaken now two surveys um, actually this one is is coming out slightly higher than the previous one and it just shows the appetite of players it is so special to put your shirt on and represent your country um, and I would like um, to place on record my thanks to Clint Newton who has been nothing but outstanding over the last uh, few months in working with us. Just a quick clarification, how, how many players answered that survey, do you know? 
it, it was, I've not got the exact numbers, Scott. It, it wasn't huge numbers. Uh, so it was about 120 players, but it was it was specific to the players representing the remaining competing nations who would be affected by um, eff effectively playing in their narrow competition. So um, when you put that in context, that's actually quite a number of teams worth of players. Absolutely. And, and Troy, if I could ask one of you, how does the IRL go about the relationship with the Australian Rugby League Commission and New Zealand Rugby League at the moment? Obviously, you, you were pretty critical a couple of weeks ago following the decision. Do you plan on meeting with them? And, and yeah, how does the relationship go from here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've already spoken to, uh, to both parties, um, representatives from both parties, and uh, they've just given me assurance of their uh, positivity and support and, and commitment to 22. Um, and we need to have some further conversations about um, how they can uh, assist us and particularly the, uh, the other smaller nations that are impacted significantly, made some investments, significant investments to get to the World Cup um, that uh, are now impacting on their own operations. So we've got a lot of work to do. There is some um, relationship building to be done. Uh, but I've, I've got confidence that uh, we will, uh, as John has said, have a magnificent World Cup next year. And uh, it, it's an ongoing challenge, I guess, is to trying to keep, uh, you know, 40 odd ranked nations happy and meeting a lot of demands from what is a very small organisation that I have the privilege to lead. Uh, but we'll do our very best. And uh, I think John and Chris are confident uh, that our organisation and uh, my role to bring all the nations together uh, will be side by side with them as we head to 22. Can I ask one last one? Sorry. Obviously the, the makeup of the IRL board, um, it's got uh, you know, Australian representatives and Kiwi representatives. I mean, does this whole affair call into question the makeup of the board going forward and, and do we need restructuring in some ways to control those interests in some ways? Yeah, look, uh, the IRL board has been in existence since 1927 and it's uh, had many incarnations on how it's been structured and governed over the time. Uh, it's, it's comprised three people at certain times. It's had uh, different membership and it underwent a governance review uh, in around 2018, I think it commenced. Uh, as a result, three independents have been brought onto the board as I'm one of those. So I'm 18 months into that tenure, but only about 16 weeks into the tenure as the chairman. So uh, we've made some dramatic changes to the IRL internally, governance wise. Um, there's a lot of you know, good governance practices that weren't there in audit and risk, financial management, uh, code of conduct and ethics, uh, strategy and governance, planning, those sorts of things um, just weren't there. They, that was pretty much a very amateurish um, administration and uh, we've changed that uh, with some personnel changes and some uh, absolute commitment from our independent directors who are effectively working for free to make sure that um, we do have an organisation that can lead the sport going forward. So uh, all those sorts of things are an ongoing challenge for us. We want to um, up the ante as in relation to our capability uh, and to make sure that we can look after all the nations that we represent. Uh, there's always going to be natural conflicts in relation to the needs of nations over the broader need of the game. Uh, that's like any conflicts that occur, you have to manage them, uh, eliminate risk and and move forward, but I've got confidence that we'll be able to do that uh, going forward. And a lot of lessons have been learned uh, in the last couple of weeks, and we'll take those lessons and uh, we'll learn from them.
Thank you, Scott. Can we go to Sam at the FT, please? Hi, everybody. Um, uh, thanks for making the time. Uh, I just wanted to ask what the financial impact of the decision is operating, you know, estimated operating costs of, of going another year. And then are they think, do you know, do things like rebates from, from to, you know, broadcasters or sponsors uh, come into play at all? Cheers. Yeah, thanks very much, Sam. I'm happy to answer that question. Um, I think when we take a step back and clearly we've got some more work to do over the coming weeks, um, we will probably be in a stronger financial position in 2022. Uh, clearly, we've had some exceptional cost to meet in terms of charter flights and private managed quarantine, etc. that we anticipate won't be there in 2022. Uh, that's obviously balanced by some of the things you've said uh, around rebates, uh, ticket refunds, um, etc. But we are in a really strong position. We've got all of our commercial partners to a great place. Uh, we've obviously got our domestic broadcast partnership in place and that will be unaffected by next year. Uh, a bit more work to do um, in the international broadcast space. Um, and I think back to um, a question previously, another 12 months will bring opportunities to onboard more commercial partners. And actually over the last couple of weeks, we've been approached by uh, more people. So overall, uh, we will come out in a strong position. Uh, we have a commitment that we've made to the International um, Federation, uh, which we will uh, work towards. Um, and I think ultimately uh, the PNL um, will look strong. Uh, clearly we've just got a bit more work to do, as Chris said at the start for the last six years up until 48 hours ago, we were planning to stage the tournament this year, so there's definitely some uh, more work to do. Thanks, John. Does it does it require um, more funding from the UK government in the in the meantime? We've got some more conversations to have with um, governments, and we've just got to work through uh, the scenarios. But we, we we believe we'll be able to stand on our own two feet uh, for as long as we can uh, through our exceptional commercial performance. Cheers. Thanks so much. Good luck. Thanks, Sam. Can I go to Dave Woods, please? Uh, hi, John. Thanks so much. And Troy, et cetera, and Chris. Um, have you looked at timings for next year? I, I, it's obviously early days, but have you looked at timings for a start and end for the three tournaments next year? We have, Dave. Um, nice to see you. Um, we have some draft dates. Um, we just want to do some more consultation um, in the right way um, with Super League and the RFL. Um, we are very conscious of the FIFA World Cup, which starts on Monday, the 21st of November. Um, we wouldn't expect to go against that um, for, I'm sure, understandable reasons. So we have some draft dates. Um, we hope to confirm those very shortly. Uh, we just want to um, speak to Super League and the RFL in particular uh, about their season. And how confident are you, the, the venues that have been arranged for this year, how confident that they will remain unchanged for next year? There will be some disturbance, uh, inevitably. Um, if we look at the football calendar uh, next year in particular, there's lots of um, uh, there's lots of change in preparation for the break with the FIFA World Cup. Um, we've spoken to our 18 host towns and cities. Uh, we expect uh, all of those to stay with us. The schedule, game one will still be game one. Game two will be game two. Um, we might just see a change in some of the venues, uh, but overall, I think we'll come out in a very, very similar place. Okay, super. Thanks. So, oh, and just just one final question. The Aussies and the Kiwis have obviously given a verbal commitment to this. How how binding would you want that commitment to be in the next couple of months? Yeah, yeah absolutely binding with the part, signed participation agreements, and that's something that we've already uh, have started work on. And we work with Troy, uh, and we thank him for his support uh, in that. And we've had some positive conversations already with the ARLC and with New Zealand Rugby League.
Thank you. Thanks, Dave. Can we go to Gary Carter, please? Hi there, you okay? Morning, Gary. Hi, uh, a couple of questions for both of you, if possible. Firstly, John, did I mean a lot was said about player welfare in the in the, the reasons for not coming this year and everything. How would you broach what what appears to be a very congested season next year, having been through one this year to the to the players that have been through it? Yeah, look, I think that's about uh, working with uh, the different partners, Super League, the RFL, uh, the NRL and um, International Rugby League. Um, player welfare, player safety, uh, player voice has been at the heart of everything um, that we've done. Uh, just in terms of the preparations that we've made, the conditions that we've met, we would have provided the safest, not only Rugby League um, event, I dare say the safest, sports event with some of the things that we put in place. So uh, the players have to remain at the heart of everything, uh, Gary, and we're very conscious um, of that. And clearly there's some challenges for everyone in finishing the seasons this season and restarting the season uh, and then playing the World Cup at the end of uh, that. And just just want to follow up from a couple of weeks ago. Did you ever, have you ever managed to get through to Peter Volandis at all? I have spoken to Peter Vlandis and Chris, my chairman, has spoken to Peter Vlandis and we, of course, remain open to carrying on those uh, conversations. I've had a number of conversations uh, recently with Andrew Abdo uh, that I would describe as very positive, very conciliatory, uh, and we'll continue to work in that way. Um, the, as tough as this is, this is about um, building or rebuilding relationships. Um, and, you know, I think we've behaved with professionalism, with courtesy, with respect, with dignity. Nothing will change from our side. Thanks, John. Just a couple of, for Troy, if possible. Troy, um, I believe New Hello. Zealand... I am, mate. Uh, believe, well, I believe New Zealand signed a participation agreement for this year, and now they've gone back on that. What are the ramifications of that for the New Zealand Rugby League? Are there any? Yeah, the... Um... The participation agreement was a conditional one. As I understand, it's a question best for John regarding the actual agreement itself. But uh, regarding the um, sanctions that are available within the IRL, uh, there are numerous um, and or uh, you got you to weigh that up as to, you know, what you do is counterproductive to uh, what we're aiming to do is, um, you know, reunite the game and put on the most successful Rugby League World Cup going forward. But uh, as I said, there's lessons that we've learned uh, and, and we'll act on those lessons. Another one, sort of talking a bit theoretically, say Australia and New Zealand say we want to play a test this autumn in Australia. What would the IRL's attitude be to that? Uh, the, the current arrangements under um, our articles is that um, nations can organise bilateral uh, test matches between themselves but for them to be uh, considered test matches, uh, they need to be sanctioned by the IRL. Uh, I noticed before I jumped on the uh, on the feed that uh, the Scottish Rugby League were looking to uh, hopefully organise some internationals. Um, if and when those propositions are, are raised to us, we'll just deal them at the time. But uh, yeah, being honest with you, it doesn't wouldn't be a good look if uh, there was just uh, internationals uh, in in the Southern Hemisphere and they weren't able to be played here given the uh, concern about player load and welfare given the seasons and stuff but uh, we'll just deal with those uh, if and when they arise and just one last one for me you mentioned before about, about not being a good look about if say Australia New Zealand play a test how would you explain to an outsider a non-rugby league fan the look at that all this has of the IRL the trace of the IRL 
yeah, look, obviously it's it's not uh, what we wanted. Um, we were, as I expressed before, uh, about my level of disappointment. Um, it, it's never good, but the reality is that uh, we ha we have two hemispheres that are managing the uh, pandemic in complete opposite ways. And I'm, I'm not entering a debate about who's doing it right or wrong. It's just that's just the the fact of the matter. And the two nations in the southern hemisphere acted on um, legal advice regarding the health um, and pandemic situation as they saw it. People will agree or disagree with that. Um, and that's just the reality of what we're faced with. Uh, it doesn't take away any of the disappointment uh, that we feel, but uh, that's the, the cards have been dealt with. So uh, we'll just uh, continue to learn the lessons that we have and um, make sure that uh, every contingency is put in place to uh, eliminate any of that risk of uh, us uh, falling into the same position we are now. Thank you very much, both of you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Gary. Can we go to Gareth Walker, please? Morning, guys. Thanks for doing this. Hope you're well. Um, I think my questions have all been asked, to be honest. So just a very quick one for John, um, a minor one, really. Will, will the tournament be renamed or will it stick at, at Rugby League World Cup 2021 as the Euros did? Good morning, Gareth. Um, absolutely right. Yeah, uh, no change uh, to our title, uh, to our merchandise, uh, to anything. We will continue to be RLWC 2021. Thanks, John. I'll pass you over to the next one. Okay, thanks, Thomas, for your message in the chat. Uh, I think George, is it George Riley? Yeah, hi, guys. Um, just two quick ones, John, from me. Um, since you last briefed us and said it was 50-50, whether it was going to be on, was there any point since then that it improved beyond that towards being on a better than 50-50 chance? And, and then the second one, I'll ask them both in one go. Do you ultimately feel like uh, in trying to do the right thing, you've been bullied by, by the NRL and that the bullies have won here? Yeah, thanks uh, for your questions, uh, George. Um, no, it didn't improve um, beyond 50-50. What became apparent, and all of this has happened really quickly, uh, over the weekend when we reached out to the nations, um, when some other decisions were made, uh, the NRL club statement, uh, the decision about the women's NRL, and even if we went ahead uh, without Australia and New Zealand, that impacted other nations. Um, what became very clear um, is that if we did carry on, it would be irresponsible because players wouldn't have been able to get on the plane. Players wouldn't have been able to represent their nation. Um, so 50-50 became 60-40, 70-30, or the other way around, um, to the point on Monday uh, where I advised um, Chris and we organised an emergency board meeting and made that difficult decision. In respect of um, the behaviour um, of others, uh, look, we'll rise above that. This was always about doing the right thing for the sport. Could we have carried on um, without Australia and New Zealand? We could. Um, I don't think it would have been credible. Um, I think other nations, unfortunately, uh, there would have been a domino effect. Um, and we as administrators don't have the right to take away the opportunity of players to participate in a Rugby League World Cup. And when you look at the wheelchair tournament, the women's tournament, the way that the men's tournament has expanded, um, this is a seminal moment. And if we have to wait 12 months, we have to wait 12 months. We will do it to our best of our ability. Thanks, Thank John. Uh, can we go to Ross, please? Hi, John, you okay? 
Morning, Ross. Yeah, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. I was just going to say, you spent five and a half years getting all these fantastic football and rugby grounds in, in place for, for the World Cup. Given the fact, you know, you've got now 12 months to, to rearrange absolutely everything. How feasible is it to get the grounds and, and you know, the stadiums that you need in in position? And Because uh, I think it was Simon Johnson who said a week or two ago that it may may not be feasible. It, it could be too big a challenge. You've obviously taken the decision to postpone it. It is going to happen next year. How big a challenge is that? And given the sort of the mistrust between, you know, the, the World Cup organisers and Australia and New Zealand, how confident are you that the tournament will indeed go ahead next year, given all those challenges I've just mentioned? Yeah, th thanks, Ross. It's a really good question. Um, I mean, if we go back to 2018, it took us one year to select our venues and to put our schedule together. Uh, and that was hard work at the time. Um, I think what has changed is we have now got such a talented team. We are solution focused and we've got a brilliant relationship with our venues. Um, will it be difficult? It will. As I said earlier, postponement was never an easy option for the reasons you've mentioned and for many other reasons. I am confident that we can uh, release the dates of the tournament very quickly. I am confident that we will be in a position, hopefully before Christmas, to republish the schedule and to go back on sale. Um, we want to make sure that as many people that have bought tickets come with us, still enjoy the journey, um, and we'll work hard to do that. Um, so, look, all disappointing. Um, is it feasible? It absolutely is feasible, and it's only feasible because of the work we've invested, the people that we've got involved and the absolute solution-focused approach that we have had and will continue to have. Cheers, John. All the best. Thanks. Thank you. We've got three hands left, left so we'll go Jason, Alex, and then best of last, Brad Walter, to finish. Thanks, Michael. Uh, question for Troy on the back of uh, what Gary Carter was alluding to before. Troy, I picked up... Uh, Reading between the lines, you've calmed down a lot from the other day. Are you saying that on the back of uh, the worst-kept secret being out today for the rugby league world and the sporting world, that there'll be no repercussions at all for the ARL Commission or the New Zealand Rugby League? No, I, I just didn't say that at all. I just said... No, I'm just was, asking... I'm asking... Them. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the, the, the our articles allow for various types of sanctions, um, which will be a matter for the board uh, to consider in due course. Uh, it's just alluded to uh, in balancing that up. Uh, the ARL and New Zealand Rugby League have made a decision which they believe um, is in the best interest on legal advice uh, for their players, and that's violently disagreed with by a lot of people and caused a lot of disappointment naturally. Uh, so we have to consider all that uh, very carefully. Uh, my point being that, uh, as John alluded to, we're looking forward, um, being positive about the future and wanting to stage the Rugby League World Cup uh, 21, uh, now in 22. Um, and whether uh, sanctions are counterproductive uh, was my comment. Uh, that's all a matter for the board to consider in due course. What's your personal take on it? Are you keen for those test matches, say, between Australia and New Zealand to proceed? about sanction? What's your view on it, personally? Sorry, if, if a match was uh, held, yep. are you saying? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, as I explained the process, it's, it's got to come to us for sanction as a test match. Um, I just don't think, I think I've said it already, I'm not sure it's a great look. 
Uh, I've conveyed that uh, to a number of people already, but uh, ultimately they've got the legal right uh, to do certain things, whether it's a sanctioned match under the IRL, et cetera. Uh, we'll just deal with that uh, as it comes. But I indicated also that there was other tests. Uh, I saw Scotland were keen to look at organising other test matches as well. You've got to balance all these things about uh, what's good for the player. But, you know, the question is if they've had a long season and a lot of the issues that have um, caused them to determine they can't come to the World Cup this year, if they still exist, which they are, things aren't looking brighter in Australia at the moment. So the feasibility of it even even happening, I think, is pretty minimal. But, uh, you know, it's hard to deal in hypotheticals. You're just better off dealing with things if and when they come up. Thanks, Jason. We'll go to Alex, please. Thanks. Hi, John. Um, how many tickets have been sold for 2021? And what level of refund requests can you sustain? Well, thanks. Uh, good morning, Alex. Um, the honest answer is I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, so uh, perhaps that's something we could feed back to you uh, via Michael. I, look, we, at every point we've um, smashed our target. When we went back on sale, we were 21% above target and we've done pretty well since going back on sale. From a refund perspective, um, we, um, we've got a strategy. So we will offer customers an initial refund should they wish and we'll offer customers um, a further chance to have a refund when we publish our schedule. But I think given the level of excitement, given that um, we've seen buying trends where people have bought some at the start and they've gone back and they've gone back again, um, I'm very confident that people will stay with us. Uh, obviously this is about personal choice. Um, I absolutely understand some people will be upset, disappointed, angry, frustrated, um, and perhaps they'll take the chance to uh, ask for a refund. I'd be very confident, Alex, that the majority of people will stay with us, uh, and we very much hope that they do. And what changes do you plan to make to your ticketing and commercial strategies based on what you've learned through this year? Um, I think from a ticket um, perspective, what we've seen that has worked really well is short bursts of activity with a call to action. So our ballot performed really well, our Christmas campaign performed really well. We'd love to be able to go back on sale for Christmas. Um, I think then probably not going um, on sale in too much of a rush in 2022, building up the appetite um, and making sure what, what I think we saw a lot from the trend was the rugby core hadn't quite committed and I think that was for a number of different reasons but we know in surveying the rugby core they were always going to buy they were probably just going to buy a little bit later so I am very confident that when we republish the schedule we will achieve our original ticket targets from a commercial perspective we've already exceeded our commercial target significantly uh, we are being approached in some really interesting different areas that the sport has never uh, been in and we've reached out to all of our commercial partners including the prospects and they're really keen to stay with us on the journey so uh, watch this space hope for some exciting news over the coming weeks thanks john go to brad ian is that a, a what we call a legacy hand these days uh, i've got one more question if i may at the end okay we'll go brad and then ian okay hey john just um while it's disappointing, um, the, the, the decision has been made or was uh, made announced today, do you feel that since um, the ARLC and NZRL uh, made their decisions, you've had the chance to speak to clubs, NRL clubs, and obviously you mentioned that you've um, had some conversations with Andrew Abdo and Peter Volandis. Do you think that going forward you may, you may have actually 
uh, strengthen those relationships? Hi, good afternoon, Brad. Uh, great question as ever. Uh, yes, we have. Uh, we've reached out and we have spoken to a number of NRL club chief executives um, and we want to do that more. We want to do that in a more structured way. Um, Andrew Abdo um, has acknowledged that and I think will provide us with the platform. Uh, we've also had Andrew Hill working for us. Andrew has been nothing but exceptional and has made sure that our relationships um, have been made stronger for that. So I would anticipate, um, Brad, over the next couple of months when people go away, when we all reflect that the relationships will be stronger and as i have said many times i will happily speak to anyone about the rugby league world cup at any time yeah and just for troy uh i was just wondering what the reaction to, of other nations had been particularly in the southern hemisphere um uh of the of the decision that's been made uh for the postponement decision now mm. yes yeah look i i think um they, they were rock solid um, the nations um, for a long, long time and uh, were very dedicated to playing. I think a, a lot of Pacific Island um, players came out individually talking about their passion and commitment to play, were, were satisfied with all the work that uh, John and the team had done. So, uh, but I think they're also, you know, arrived similarly with, um, with John at a certain point that it just became uh, very difficult um, in relation to accessing their players uh, because of workplace legal reasons and and as what's been articulated very thoroughly. So uh, there's a, a level of disappointment. Um, I met with the Asia-Pacific group of nations as well. Uh, so they're absolutely committed to National League. It's very, very important for them. So they will always uh, stand up and be counted uh, when, there's, uh, when they're called upon and given the opportunity to represent their nation. They just absolutely rely on it for the growth of the game domestically for them, but also uh, particularly from a commercial revenue point of view, um, these sorts of tournaments are absolutely essential for them. So uh, they're, they're disappointed, but they're practical realists as well. And, uh, and they will kind of make an enormous contribution in 22 and continue to work uh, very well with John and his team. Thanks guys. Thanks Brad. Then we'll finish with Ian. Thanks, Michael. Uh, John, just a point about um, the uh, domestic seasons. Are, are you going to be in touch with Super League clubs who are, who are no doubt going to try and take over this space in October and November? Uh, because if you hold the tournament earlier next year, which you'll have to do if you're going to avoid a clash with the FIFA World Cup, you're going to have to start the season earlier, aren't they, the Super League, and finish earlier do you make a plea to Super League clubs not to extend the season and, and look to start a bit earlier next year? Uh, thank you, Ian. Um, yes, we've been in touch with Super League Europe, um, with the RFL. Um, I've sent a personal message to all of the club chief executives and owners this morning and got uh, a lot of um, positive feedback. I think this isn't about a plea necessarily. It's just about a conversation and working together. It's about doing things in the right way. So that process has already began. I mean, this this may be a win-win for everyone in terms of uh, the pressure that this season is under uh, and then looking ahead to next season. But um, we'll sit down, we'll have the conversations, we'll do things in the right way. We will work in partnership. Um, and I think if everyone has what is best for the sport um, at heart, uh, then we'll get to the right outcome. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ian. I think we've had one more hand. So, uh, Phil, yep. move. Yeah. 
Just a very quick question for Chris, if you don't mind. Um, you've rightly mentioned the extremely talented World Cup team. Um, do you expect to lose any of them because of this decision? You're on mute, Chris. Phil, we have an outstanding team and, and thank you for recognising that. Uh, the one thing that uh, has shone out over the uh, last two years as chair is, is the commitment from John, Stephen Brown, COO, Terry Lynham, Tickets, John Neal Commercial and all of the team. Um, they re remain committed uh, to delivering an outstanding tournament. As I said earlier, the only thing that's changed here, Phil, are the dates. We will deliver an outstanding World Cup um, and that is our absolute focus. So watch this space. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Chris. I don't think there's any more hands or any more questions, so uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks again to Chris, John and Troy for, for fronting up this morning. Michael, could I just say before we close, could I just thank everyone? Um, I think you've been incredibly fair with us. Um, I think you've given us great support. Um, it's been great to have this uh, access. We will continue with this. So um, from everyone at the Rugby League World Cup, thank you to all of you.